And God, in his mercy and grace, stepped into King Nebuchadnezzar's life and brought a transformation of heart of what we read beginning in verse 34 of Nebuchadnezzar's praise to God, Nebuchadnezzar's acknowledging who God is, and really, Nebuchadnezzar, this passage is, is probably the, the premier passage that conveys the sovereignty of God. Now, the sovereignty of God is another attribute of God. And really, um, honestly, I, I've been going through these attributes throughout this year, and I thought, there have been many of them that I've thought, how do we even begin on this? And, and um, the love of God stands out. And the one that uh, God is incomprehensible. Okay, so how are you supposed to describe he's incomprehensible? I want to help you understand that he's incomprehensible, right? Well, when it comes to the sovereignty of God, that it, it really is beyond us. Now, when you, when you think of the sovereignty of God in your own mind, you don't need to say it out loud, what do you think of? What comes to mind? You know, in, in religious circles, we throw around a lot of terms. We, redemption and justification and sanctification and sovereignty and, and omniscience and Sometimes we kind of think we know what we're talking about, and sometimes we don't know what we're talking about, but we know that word fits in here, okay? And, and I think sovereignty of God is something that kind of fits in there. You know, we'll say, well, God is sovereign. And, and you may see the churches that have uh, sovereign Grace Church, or Sovereign, they'll have that in the name of their church. And, and you may say, really, what is that saying? In most cases, it's saying something. Um, we're not going to go into all that today. We may touch on it a little bit. But Sovereign means supreme in power. We... There would be people in, in different countries that would be able to, to grasp what sovereign means a little better in, in history because they had a sovereign. They had a king that was supreme in power. But when, when we refer to God and God refers to himself as sovereign, which he is, it means possessing Supreme dominion. He is the sovereign ruler of the universe, superior by far to all others, and all the attributes. This is attribute number 15. All the other attributes show that he is superior to all others. No one else is ever present. No one else is unchanging. No one else is all-powerful. No one else is the epitome of love. And, and every attribute that we've looked at, is it, you put all those together, and it really shows God is superior by far 
to all others, that, that he is chief. It, it emphasizes his supremacy. Divine sovereignty means that God is, in fact, on the throne of the universe, of all creation, directing all things, working all things, as Ephesians chapter 1 says, after the counsel of his own will. So we mean when we say God is sovereign, that he rules the universe, and, and he is in control. Imagine this morning if you woke up and you heard, good morning, this is God. I will be handling all your problems today, and I will not need your help. So have a good day. That's the reality of the sovereign God. That's the God that we serve. And, and that is the message that God is giving to us. There are, there are great ramifications if we understand the reality of this truth. So some of the things we've already mentioned, but I'm going to come back and reiterate. Sovereignty means, number one, that God is in control. He rules his entire creation. <clears throat> that means to rule and to be entirely in control. As we said, it means he had to be all-knowing and is all-knowing and all-powerful and absolutely free. From our perspective... <clears throat> We, we look through a veiled um, viewpoint. First Corinthians tell us we, we see through a glass darkly. And it may look like everything is out of control. God is in control. Uh, the song we sang, not a, I don't remember the exact words, not a blast of worry, <clears throat> no, it's something different word for worry, and not a blast of hurry. There's no worry, there's no hurry. <clears throat> God did not stand up in March and say, oh man, COVID-19, and this is throwing every... I mean, He is in control. And we need to be reminded of that. And secondly, God is free to do all that he wills. Turn to Psalm 115. Psalm 115. And notice if you'd look in verse 3. Well, let me just start in verse 1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory because of your mercy, because of your truth. Why should the Gentiles or heathens say, so where is their God? Notice the response of the psalmist. But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Then it goes on and says, their gods are idols made of man. 
But notice what he said. Our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. Turn to Psalm 135 and verse 6. Psalm 135 and verse 6. Well, look at verse 5. For I know that the Lord is great, and our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all the deep places. And he goes on and mentions some of the workings of God. We read in in Daniel chapter 4 that Nebuchadnezzar uh, came and realized the greatness of God. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. He does, verse 35, he does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. In Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 10, My counsel shall stand, God said, and I will do all my pleasure. No one can say that unless they are sovereign, unless they are supreme. He said, my counsel will stand, and he is free to do all that he wills. And thirdly, God is able to do whatever he wills. He is, you know, we can say, I'm going to go do this. And you might say that you're going to do that, but you're not able to do that. I could say, I'm going to climb on the top of the church building, and I'm going to fly home after church today. I, I am free to say that. I am free to do that, but I don't have the power to do that. So it's not just making a declaration. Anyone can make declarations. God says his will, and then he has all power to fulfill his will. The angel came to Mary and said, you will bring forth a child. It will be the Messiah. And she said, how can this be? I'm a virgin. I, I I don't know a man. And the angel said to her, With God, nothing is impossible. That's the sovereignty of God. Turn to Job 42. Job, an interesting book that that really just um, shows forth the sovereignty of God in amazing ways. And an interesting study to read the book of Job just thinking about the sovereignty of God but at the very end, when, when all the truth, the dust is settled and the truth is, is risen and revealed, Job, verse, four, verse 1 of chapter 42, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be held, withheld from you. And he goes on and shares some of the dialogue that he had with God. But Job came down after all the Job experience. Job came down and said, God, I know that you can do everything. That it is your power 
that it is your ability. And in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus reminded them that God is sovereign, that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power, the power of God that is at work. See, someone willing something is worthless unless they have the power to perform it. And this is where it, it all comes in God. He wills and he has the ability to do whatever he wills and everything that he wills. And his sovereignty also means, fourthly, that God cannot be successfully opposed. We go back to Daniel chapter 4 again. And in verse 35, All the inhabitants of the earth are as reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven, And among the inhabitants of the earth, no one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? Do you grasp that? Of all the inhabitants of the earth, no one can restrain his hand. President Trump, Premier Putin, Netanyahu, Fauci, Bricks, Gates, the UN, the governors, no one can restrain God's hand. I mean, Satan, this book is a history of Satan's attempt to restrain God's hand. From the Garden of Eden, He's tried to to waylay God's plan. He's tried to destroy the nation of Israel. He's tried to snuff out the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. He's tried to destroy God's people all throughout history. And it may look like things are out of control. And it may look like Satan is having his way and, and wow, this is, this is getting it set up and, and Satan's gonna bring in his antichrist and everything. That, that's like, that's like putting, I had someone tell me the other day that tuna fish, raccoons really love tuna fish. So if you put that in your trap, it's like, it's like, God's setting everything up. Put tuna fish in there. We think that coon's coming to destroy everything. I meant raccoon, okay? Some of your expressions. But, um, and God's working everything according to his will. The, the trap snaps. And in the end, no one can restrain God's hand. This is... We need, often reminded, because everything's shouting at us, God doesn't know what's going on and things are out of control and you better be filled with fear. What's going to happen to you? God is absolutely free because no one and no thing or nothing can hinder him or compel him or stop him He is able to do as he pleases, always, everywhere, and forever. 
Do you under that is that is faith building. I mean that is that is just God cannot be successfully opposed. He can be opposed, but they won't be successful. And he has been opposed from the very beginning when Satan said, I will be like the Most High. But God is truly and perfectly sovereign. That means he's the highest and the greatest being there is. He controls everything. His will is absolute. He does whatever he pleases. When we hear that, we can get a mental image of it and picture it, and we can usually handle that and say, yeah, I agree with that, until something that we don't like enters into our life. Then our normal reaction is to resist the sovereignty of God. Even as believers, we know this, but our normal reaction, and rather than finding comfort in the fact that God is sovereign, we get upset with God. And we struggle with that in our relationship with Him. And if He can do whatever He pleases, why does He allow this suffering in my life? Why does he allow this suffering in the world? Since God is in control, and since he is all-powerful, why hasn't he eliminated evil? Why hasn't he done away with evil? Well, the reality is God is all-powerful. And the reality is that he will do away with all evil, but he hasn't yet. And in the meantime, in God's sovereignty, he has given to each and every one of us a will that we, by the determination of God, have the opportunity of laws of choice and consequence. God has decreed that all those who commit themselves to Jesus Christ receive eternal life and become sons of God. He has also decreed that all those who love darkness and continue in their rebellion against the authority of God in heaven shall remain in a state of spiritual alienation and will, suffer, and will suffer eternally in hell forever. The reality of the human will and accountability sets the, the understanding in our minds of God's sovereignty and the choice that we are given this opportunity, and because of that, there is evil. Adam and Eve were given a choice. If you don't believe in the choice of mankind, then how do you explain evil? God would have to be the author of evil, and God is not the author of evil. In 
in the perfectness, everything God made, he saw it was good. And in his goodness, he gave man a free will. And man chose to rebel against God. And in came evil. And in God's sovereignty, he had planned before the, the creation of the universe to pay the penalty for our sin, our rebellion against God in sending his son. And he sent his son to pay the penalty so we could be brought back to fellowship with God. But again, he offers salvation to the world. For God so loved the world, he is not willing that any should perish. And in understanding that God is sovereign, he is all-powerful, realize there are things here that we can't wrap our human minds around. And that are these are two things. Number one, God elects those that are his. John 15, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. That's, that's one aspect of it. It also, <clears throat> the other aspect that you can't, I can't, and... No one can. There's some people that think they can. The other aspect is that he gave to every one of us a free will. And um, someone said that these two truths, it's been likened, they they are the two rails of the gospel that the gospel train runs on. That God has chosen me, and whosoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. And someday we'll find how those two work together. Someone else likened it unto this, that it's two ropes going through two holes in a ceiling and over a pulley. If If you wish to support yourself by them, you must cling to both of them. If you cling to one and not the other, you'll go down. And this is the sovereignty of God. He can do whatever he wants. And in his sovereignty, he said, he that has the son has life. He that does not have the son does not have life. I don't, I know that there's no way my mind can understand his, the election of God and the free will of man, and I don't get caught, I don't get hung up on it. I rejoice in both truths and say, thank you, Lord, that I know by your grace I am a child of God. And that's the sovereignty of God. He can do whatever he wants, and there's no way our minds will understand it. But God is in control. He is free to do all he wills. He is able to do all he wills. He cannot be successfully opposed. Now, let me just make some application here. Number one, God's will will be done. Everything that God has prophesied in Scripture will be fulfilled. If it isn't, he is not God. And this ought to strengthen and establish and settle our faith. 
I don't see how all these things will come to pass. When, when I was a kid ages and ages ago, and you'd read in the book of Revelation that two men will die in the streets of Jerusalem and images of their bodies will be seen around the world. We thought, how will that ever happen? And even when television was developed, we said, how will that ever happen? That, that TVs in the darkest jungles, there are cell phones all over the world and their images. Everything God said. You read the book of Revelation and you may say, how are those things going to... God's will will be done because he's sovereign. He has all power. God's sovereignty, secondly, calls for our submission. Now, now think about it. God's will is going to be done whether you submit to it or not. Whether I submit to it or not. So, if it's going to happen, I might as... It will be better for everybody if I submit to it. I mean, God's will. <clears throat> we can rest in His leading. He is perfect. He is all-knowing. I mean, think of something in your life at the present time that disturbs you deeply. Okay, you've had enough time. You've probably got ten things, all right? And most of those things you have no control over. So what are you going to do? We can consciously bow before God's sovereignty in this area and ask Him to work thy will be done and to teach you the characteristics of Christ that he wants to develop in you. That's submission to the sovereignty of God. Thirdly, the sovereignty of God does not remove our personal responsibility. It, it's not like, well, God's sovereign, and He's going to do what He wants, so it doesn't matter what I do. No, it matters what you do. You are given responsibility, and as we said a few weeks ago, every believer is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of the things that we have done. This doesn't wash our hands of responsibility. Well, God's going to do whatever He wants. Doesn't matter what I do. No, He's given us a will. He's given us the opportunity to yield to Him. I am responsible, first of all, for my choice with what I do with Jesus Christ. Do I believe He is the Son of God that paid the penalty for my sin? And have I received him for the forgiveness of sin? And then, if yes, I have, that he is Lord and he is sovereign, I'm going to give an account for how I have submitted to him in my life. So the sovereignty of God <clears throat> does not remove our personal responsibility. Someday, we will understand the secret things of God and we will praise Him for it. 
There are many, many things in life in general, and there are many, many things in your life and will come more in your life that you just don't understand. I mean, I don't understand why some of the greatest servants of the Lord are taken when they're actively serving God. Ravi Zacharias, who is probably the the number one Christian apologist in the world today, is right now dying of cancer. And when I when I heard that, I said, God, why why do you take him? Take me. He's affecting a lot more people than I am. Or I've got a lot of others that he could take too, you know. But but there's and and in life there there comes much more even serious things than that. Things that you can't put together and make rhyme or reason of it. And and it may be in just from our perspective. But God is sovereign. And someday he will reveal all the secret things to us. And you know what our response will be? What a mighty God you are. Our response will be like Nebuchadnezzar's. You are the Lord God who has dominion over everything. And our response will be complete and pure praise. It won't be, well, I can kind of see it, but I wouldn't have done it that way. Nope. It will be bowing in praise and adoration to God. And I know there are many of you that have heartaches that you can't put, you can't put a rhyme or reason to it. Someday the veil will be lifted. And someday we will see clearly the sovereignty of God and all the works of God will praise him. And we will too. And then, lastly, in God, everything ends just fine. He is sovereign. He is in control. He is supreme. And in God, and he tells us that here, but in God, everything ends just fine. You you, You may need to... Type that out and put it on your computer or phone or on your television. Make the font about 72 or so, you know. Because the whole world says, it's not fine. It's not fine. In God, everything ends just fine. A number of years ago, I... I, heard a Focus on the Family interview with the doctor, Dr. Richard Swenson. And he came from this perspective. He was talking about the sovereignty of God. And we're going to play just a portion of this. <clears throat> and, and it will just be the audio. But I believe it's worthy of us to hear. And his thought is, If we were able to spend 10 minutes with God in heaven, it would change our lives because we'd see the sovereignty of God. And and he's going to go through 
of a guy by the name of Joe that he kind of plays out a scenario of ten minutes with God in heaven. So I want you to listen to this carefully, and we'll make some concluding remarks afterwards. says to God, uh, God, i got ten minutes here with you. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you know everything? And God says, um, do you doubt it? Joe says, well, well, no, but uh, how do you do it? Doesn't it get all kind of mixed up in your head? And God says, I think uh, you're getting the two of us confused there, Joe. <laughs> you do that a lot, you know. You really shouldn't do that so much. Let me put it this way. Things get mixed up and chaotic in your head a lot, but not in mine. Joe, my car never runs out of gas. I've never been late for a plane. And uh, when you try to balance a checkbook, every time you sit down to do it, I just can't bear to watch. (laughs) So I distract myself by counting backwards to infinity. (laughs) And Joe says, well, well, uh, answer me this. Tell me just one thing about me. That I don't know about myself. And God says, well, you have four and a half grams of dirt under your left third toenail. Joe says, you got to be kidding. You keep track of things like that. Don't you have better things to monitor? And God says, well, I have lots of things to monitor that are better than toenail dirt. But it doesn't bother me to know about it. It's all part of omniscience. You see, Joe, I know absolutely everything about you. Joe says, uh, could I see answer some prayers? Sure. Well, when? I just did. What? I just answered prayers. Well, whose prayer did you answer? Well, actually, I answered 924,000 prayers just then. Half the time, people don't even know I'm doing it. I'm kind of tricky about some of this. A very high percentage of the prayers I answer are not even from adults. It's the kids, you know. They're the ones with the faith. When I answer their prayers, they usually see it right away. Well, uh, what percentage of prayers that you just answered right now were from kids? Well, to be precise, 42.576884930059987296094325472547. That's enough, Joseph. That's enough. God, uh, that's the best thing I ever did. What? Answer those prayers? No, no, no. I mean, kids. Kids are the greatest. They perfect praise. Have you ever read that verse? uh, Well, never mind. Back at creation, one of the angels suggested I just make everybody adult straight away, you know, bypass that uh, teenage thing. But uh, that angel was wrong. Kids are great, the best. That angel's now back down in middle management. <laughs> Joe says, how many stars are there? The guy says, Joe, you only have ten minutes. Uh, well, how many galaxies then? Uh, Joe, you only have ten minutes. Uh, but do you want to see me annihilate a galaxy? Oh, sure, cool. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, you see that one way out there toward the edge of space? It hasn't been discovered yet. Uh, nobody will even miss it. I just made it because I like the way it sparkled. Watch this. There, you can't see it now, right? How'd you do that? You don't want to know. 
You ever heard of antimatter? Joe says, I'm a physician, you know. Uh, God says, uh, is that supposed to impress me? I'm a physician, too. You want to compare credentials? <laughs> Success rates? Diagnostic accuracy? Pick a topic, any topic. Joe, I just lost a patient this last week. She was an older woman from the nursing home. Her name was Catherine, but, you know, she was ready to go. You got any status report on her? Uh, can you tell me she's doing okay? Oh, yeah, she's fine. You should see her. She's taking up tennis. Gotten quite good. She's hoping to get a shot at Steffi Graf someday. Joe, uh, how much time do I have left? God, just a few seconds, but of course around here that could also mean 50 trillion years, but in your case it's just a few seconds. Joe, do you watch me all the time? Sure I do. Other people sometimes watch you too. You're really quite an entertaining fellow. <laughs> Joe, medicine is getting kind of stressful these days. Yeah, so I noticed. What should I do about it? Well, Joe, I'm glad you asked. One thing that would help a lot is if you were to stop using me as a last resort. Everything you need, I've already provided. Trust me. Use my wisdom. Use my power. Pray. Joe, you really need to pray more. And love your patience. On your best days, I'll give you great joy. And on your worst days... I'll get you through it. I will always get you through it. God, uh, one last question. How do I get down from here? Oh, I guess that was a silly question. Hi, honey. You'll never guess what just happened to me. What? You look sunburned. You've been golfing again. Oh, no, no, it's not golfing. Uh, Maybe you better sit down. I'll tell you all about it. But uh, first, I need to better pray. If you were... I'm sorry that it wasn't better than that. I'll send you the link, or you can just go um, search on YouTube, Dr. Richard Swenson, God's Sovereignty, and you'll see the whole thing. But um, when we understand the sovereignty of God, the little dialogue there, he said, so what should I do about it? He said, well, don't leave me as a last resort. Pray. He said, you can trust me. I'll, I can provide everything you need in life. God's will will be done. And God's sovereignty calls for our submission. It doesn't remove our personal responsibility. And the day is coming when we will perfectly understand the sovereignty of God and every dealing of his, and we will praise him for it. And rejoice in everything, because in God, it ends up perfectly well. Let's bow together. And as our heads are bowed, there may be something that's been brought to you that you